Hello and welcome to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. My name is Sierra and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. From my crazy life to yours, it's time to share our experiences and get into those gritty details. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. I am so excited to be back and today I have brand ambassador Laura Lee in the house. Hi guys. <laughs> so Laura Lee has had a very interesting life. From having a very traumatic situation happen when she was a teenager to leaving an abusive relationship after 10 years and recently quitting a toxic work environment to now flourishing. <laughs> so thanks for being here, Laura Lee. Before we get into this episode, just a trigger warning for death and abusive relationships. So how would you describe your life growing up? So I was basically a typical teenager, youngest of three, up until the time that I was 16. Um, That's when, unfortunately, we lost my dad suddenly in our home, which was pretty traumatic, obviously, for any Mm 16-year-old. Other than that, though, I did have a pretty normal growing up life, other than the fact that my dad cultivated marijuana, which made it definitely a colorful, colorful childhood. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So you just mentioned that your dad passed away when you were 16. Um, Are you going to be able to tell us about what happened and everything today? Yes, I have done a lot of work to get rid of a lot of the trauma from it. However, when I was 16 years old, uh, my dad passed away suddenly of a cardiac arrest mixed with some prescription pills. Oh my gosh. Um, We were all sleeping in the house. My sister had moved out. It was me and my mom. And shortly after midnight, I heard my dad stop snoring, to which my mom came in pretty much five minutes after in a very heavy panic, obviously, saying, your dad's not breathing, your dad's not breathing. And at that moment, I just remember being in a state of confusion, even though I'd heard him stop snoring I didn't put the two together and I woke up really fast um and said to her your dad because obviously my dad was only 40 years old at the time Mm -hmm. I had no um intellectual concept of the fact that it could be him so I thought maybe she received a call uh but when I did get up and check my dad he was um no longer breathing on the sofa and I checked for his eyes his pulse um basically the stuff you see in movies which is kind of funny at the time I didn't know how to navigate that Mm -hmm. but your body just kind of steps into this mode where you go mm-hmm. um and then of course we went through the proper stuff and my father um was taken out by the ambulance attendants at the same time the rcmp were clearing out our grow show behind below us so a lot to happen in one night uh luckily we didn't get arrested <laughs> but um it was a lot to take in at 16 for sure yeah no kidding yeah. wow So after losing your dad at such a young age, how did you cope? Because I'm sure not many of your friends or anyone you knew was going through something similar. So it was a lot of coping, but a lot of like burying down my feelings. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of years, I chose the party life. Um, If I just numbed it out, it didn't happen. So I spent a lot of years numbing away the pain and dealing with a lot of abandonment issues. I held on to my grief for almost 10 years on top of the 18, I think that it's been since my father passed. So I did not cope well, that's for sure. So on top of everything else, were you in a relationship at the time? 
Yes. At the time, I was actually in what I thought was going to be my final relationship. Oh my gosh. High school love. (laughs) We were so serious. I had a promise ring on. We've been dating for four years. He was a year older than me. He had graduated. So unfortunately, what a 17-year-old boy doesn't like, which I didn't know at the time, was excessive clinginess, super abandonment issues, and an overjealous girlfriend. So of course, that um, drove our relationship right into the ground. then shortly after I did uh, leave him, well, he left me, let's be real, and I went off to university. So what happened next in the Chronicles of Laura Lee? So after two years of university and parting my absolute mind off, I moved over to Vernon where I was charmed by an absolute wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously things were okay at first with that relationship, but how did things unravel? So it started out amazing, as most relationships do. We were in the honeymoon phase for a really long time. Uh, he, I should have gotten some red flags when he didn't really have anywhere permanent to live. And he moved in within two weeks. My roommates didn't like him. Oh <laughs> Shocker. Two weeks? Yeah, it oh. was definitely like a, a definitely like you all situation. Yeah. And so um, we spent a lot of time kind of in the romance stage where we ended up moving out into our own place later on. But it was definitely a struggle the whole time. He was very much in and out of jail, um, not very reputable or trustworthy, and that spent a lot of time fighting and arguing with him, mostly. So obviously, this was a horribly toxic relationship. Do you want to go into a little bit more detail about that? It truly was. Um, Not only was it financially abusive, it was emotionally abusive. And then shortly after five or six years together, it became physically abusive. So during all that, I endured so much pain and suffering from the relationship, uh, just with so much distrust, lying, abuse, that I actually developed a severe case of PTSD that was um, quite a battle for about five years of my life. So I have to know, what was the last straw with him and how did you eventually leave? So the final straw was, I believe, in 2015. Uh, Just before Halloween, he had taken my car out while I was at work and severely crashed it up. And then when he came back with my smashed up car, I had to call in sick to work because I wasn't able to drive for community home support. And... That night, he got verbally aggressive with me because I wouldn't give him the keys. And finally, he punched me out like a man. And when I came to, I called a friend and had her call 911 for me because I wasn't... I was too in the abuse to be able to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I didn't put out the bat signal, (laughs) nobody was coming to save me. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I had her call so that I knew they were coming that time. I just... It was like last straw moment. I needed help. And Mm -hmm. so I finally got help. And that night, as soon as they picked him up and arrested him, I barricaded my door. And that was... The ending, beginning of the end of the last time that I spoke with him. And then throughout the relationship, did people know what was happening or no? I feel like a lot of people could see what was going on, but didn't want to call a spade a spade because they didn't want to embarrass me. Mm-hmm. I'm a very prideful person and I spent a lot of time being positive so that people wouldn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, a lot of people knew exactly what was going on and what the problem was because you really change from night and day when you're struggling with an abuser. Yeah. Um, and to see my personality and my like my well-being just completely 180, it was a big concern for a lot of people what was going on because I wasn't the same Laura Lee that they all knew. 
So from being in this horrible relationship, leaving and then being diagnosed with PTSD, how did you overcome all of this? I spent a lot of time in sadness and then I started focusing on all of the woo-woo treatment I could find. Crystals, sound baths, Reiki. I tried everything I could because I knew that if I wasn't going to go to traditional medicine and use medication for antidepressants, which I was not going to go for given the nature of my father's death, um, I decided that I was just going to do everything I could to heal. And so I actually found success in microdosing on psilocybin mushrooms um, and I used appropriate microdosing. So as people know, like, you don't get high from it but it did severely suppress my night terrors that i was having ever since i did the microdosing of the mushrooms i haven't had a night terror in almost seven years wow that's, yeah that's really cool i it's know really it's big. um become a more popular thing but i yeah. feel like the education needs to be there absolutely 100 i highly recommend anybody take a look at all of the science behind it before dabbling and always mm-hmm. always always check with your doctor first yes So somehow throughout all of this, you also had a career too. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what happened more recently in that career? So during the time that my ex had gone to jail, I took that time to educate myself and became a healthcare aide 10 years ago. And I used that to completely sidetrack me and keep me busy. I used that career with interior health for about eight years for a coping mechanism And then finally, after years and years of this, I just had enough. I had an absolute enough. Loralee and I have bonded over leaving toxic work environments and work that we just aren't passionate about anymore. Would you like to tell us about leaving healthcare and what made you dread healthcare towards the end? I have the worst case of burnout. Uh, The pandemic just pushed it even further, but enduring so much abuse with my ex and then having the same kind of things at my healthcare job, I was working in a locked unit that was a tertiary between mental health as well as dementia. So a lot of those folks would hit, kick and punch. And as I've mentioned before, I was getting it at home and I didn't need it at work anymore. So finally, I just reached out into a different job and I was actually working for a different doctor prescribing cannabis, which was a much lighter job for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hop into something you and I talked about a few weeks ago. So finding love after being in an abusive relationship, how did you know it was time to start seeking a relationship again? It took me an entire year of working on myself. Mm -hmm. I was terrified, but I just knew that I was on an upward path. And if I didn't put myself out there, I wasn't going to get what was coming to me. So if I didn't go out and stand on my own two legs and try and make friends and and meet new people in a social circle, it would be me and my dog forever. Yeah. Which would be okay. Yeah. (laughs) I would be fine with that too. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Were you on high alert and looking for red flags when you got into a relationship? Absolutely. 1000%. I even think that I made some red flags up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's entirely easy to do when you're coming from such a vulnerable place. My heart was so guarded that I literally wanted nobody in and I trusted nobody to come in. So I, I had stripped myself down to be a single solo person to the point where I was even making sandwiches in the fridge because why use a plate when it's just you? (laughs) How did you meet your now husband? We are an old school success story from the old Plenty of Fish. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we met online 18 years ago and I saw a picture of him and he was this big, beautiful boy in front of this vintage truck holding a shotgun. And I can't even remember, we joke about this and we try and think about our original messages. But I remember one of the first messages I sent to him, I was like, oh my gosh, how are you? And he's like, did you make a mistake? Did you read my profile? And I was like, yeah, of course. Why? And he's like, because you're like really pretty. <laughs> So for 18 years, we played cat and mouse. I was always in a relationship or he was in a relationship and it just never lined up until, like I said, an actual year to the date that I broke up with my ex, he broke up with his ex at the same time. And we were together about three days later. Wow. Yeah. Perfect timing. (laughs) Absolutely divine timing. Yeah. Yeah. Soulmate situation. I agree. (laughs) At some point early on in your relationship with your now husband, you thought it was too good to be true. What did you end up trying to do during this time to know it was real and it wasn't fake? Sabotage. Pure sabotage. I remember he left his Apple watch one day and while he was gone, I, I the minute the door closed, I ran to that watch and I started scrolling through the messages like a girl knows where to look. So I'm not going to give away the tips for any boys hiding stuff, but I went all the places, especially the conversations with his mother. I'll give you that one. And I found a message from some woman that was like talking about... Um, it was on Facebook and it was a woman talking about like where he was going the next week. And I was like, I didn't even know he was going there. So I started getting upset and I remember calling him and being like, Hey, are you busy at work? And he's like, yeah, hon, what's up? And I was like, are you around anyone? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, well then you can take the bitch that's messaging you and you and her can go have a life together. Bye. And I hung up entirely. I believe he made it, which normally would have been a 15 minute drive in five minutes. He was home. We continued to battle it out. And then when he finally was like, who are you talking about? And we looked on Facebook and I found out it was his cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Embarrassed about my actions. But from a trauma standpoint. I was doing what I knew how to do, which was protect myself. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Your husband sounds like such a wonderful guy. Obviously, he supported you through everything and still does. How about you tell us about him loving you through your healing? Absolutely. I can imagine it wasn't easy for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it actually kind of makes me a little emotional. <laughs> um, he spent a lot of time just being completely positive and like holding me up when I didn't think I could. Why is this making me so teary? <laughs> so he cute. just, he, he literally showed me what it was like to be loved with no boundaries or no strings attached. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what I needed more in my whole entire life than I ever realized. And that's the best gift he could have given me was time and space to actually heal. Yes. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So time went on, you healed, you got to know each other really well, and he decided to pop the question and you guys got engaged. So the next part always sounds so wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I would love for you to tell us about your favorite place to travel and what you ended up doing there. Uh, My favorite place to travel is Las Vegas. And because Caleb and I, when we first got into our relationship, we both come from small towns and we didn't want to be disrespectful to his ex or anybody who might be bothered by the situation because he did leave a long-term relationship and jump into one with me. So we decided, let's go to Vegas. And we took off and a week after dating, we went to Las Vegas together. Oh my gosh. Which in my like normal girl brain sounds absolutely insane. And normally I don't advise doing this, but when you know, and it's been 18 years, you know. And so Caleb and I actually recently tied the knot in Vegas in November 9th of 2019. So pre-COVID. 
So usually you hear about people having a destination wedding in Mexico or Hawaii, but you decided to do it in such a fun place, Vegas. Um, do you want to talk about the wedding a little bit? Absolutely. It was such a good time. We actually were able to have what I thought maybe like 10, 15 of our friends would come along with us. We ended up with a crew of 60 people jammed into the chapel at Excalibur. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was a wild time, but um, I always joke that I'm a princess. So naturally I got married in a castle and my husband will gladly tell you I am a princess. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap this up, something that I love is how positively you speak about your husband. I know it can be easy to speak of the negatives, like he didn't take out the trash or clean the bathroom, but you always keep such a positive narrative, and I just adore that about you. So you have described him as your number one team player, which I think is just adorable. Can you talk about how he keeps you positive even in times where your PTSD is bad or you're having a really tough time? He has the most generous heart. So uh, being away quite a bit, he will send me little gifts and thoughts. And like he just constantly lets me know that he's there for me, whether he's not physically there, mm -hmm. as well as his family has lent me such a great support system as well. So on top of having my husband, I have a bonus mom and a bonus dad that constantly take care of me. So he's allowed me to grow through my PTSD with that unconditional love that his family brings and he brings to the table that's so awesome it's amazing yeah, yeah. i just love hearing that you went from you know something so mm -hmm. hard to such love i tell people yeah. all the time like if i could clone him and give all of my friends a caleb i would <laughs> and i'm like when my girlfriends are done i'm like find yourself a caleb like you need a caleb like <laughs> it's like the coin of like the ultimate man now. yes oh, <laughs> it's beautiful well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you have any last words or anything you want to mention? Absolutely. I would like to give a huge shout out to the Vernon Transition House and the work that they do with women in our town locally, as well as there is a lot of resources through the Howard Johnson Society. And just know that if you are currently going through a toxic situation, that it's best to talk about it. Even though you might be afraid, tell somebody and Something I was told when I was going through my trauma to anybody that's healing is talk about it until you don't want to talk about it anymore. So if you find yourself talking about it and you think people don't want to hear about it anymore, just remember that this is your healing journey. And if you need to talk about it, you need to talk about it. And there are people there to talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. You will yeah. always have support. Whether your abuser has convinced you that you don't, there's always somebody that's just waiting in the wings to talk. You just have to reach out. That's really great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Be brave. <laughs> Well, thank you for all of that wonderful advice. I'd love for you to tell everyone where they can find you on social media. So you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Laura Lee Velasvelt or The Real Nancy Botwin on TikTok. As well, <laughs> I do have a small podcast with a few episodes uh, to hear more about my abuse stories, my trauma, and the passing of my father called The Sassy Little Sister Podcast. You can find it on all of your media outlets, Spotify, Apple Music, all the good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and I'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks again for listening to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. Bye! Thank you for joining The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. You can find us on Instagram at Pillow Talk Studios and in our Facebook group, Pillow Talk Studios exclusive VIP group. I cannot wait to share another episode with you soon. Bye!